Welcome to the Phase World Podcast, engaging conversations that cross the boundaries between business, art, and the digital world. John Haggerty has been a dear friend of mine since 2003. I welcomed him to the Phase World Podcast to share his experiences as an on and off Broadway actor for over 25 years. John has appeared in productions such as Les Mis on Broadway and the National Tour, The King and I, Miss Saigon, Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots, I Love You, You're Perfect Now Change, Gotham, Bad Boy, and The Living Room. Even though I've known John for over a decade, we never had a chance to have an open career discussion such as this one. To my surprise, I'm rediscovering John and hearing stories for the first time. In this episode, John reveals the randomness, rejection, and excitement of living and working as an actor. The day before our interview, John found out he had been cast for a new show. How do you memorize dialogue for Broadway shows that go on for hours? I was surprised to learn that John finds it much easier to memorize Shakespeare plays than modern dialogue. In this episode, he will explain to you why that is. My personal favorite is when John shares his method for memorization. He uses a yellow pad to one, write out everyone's lines, two, highlight his own lines, three, record in his own voice and listen to his iPod while running, all just to trick the words into his fingers, his brain, and further connect neural pathways. I asked John how he faces the pressure of performance. A pressure we all feel in our working lives. John asks us to recognize and remind ourselves that everyone is trying their best. This is your moment. Do the best with what you got and embrace it. Excerpt from a song called "A Puzzlement" from King and I. Uh, originally done by the immortal Yul Brenner, and just before he sings the song, his son, the Crown Prince, has asked him some questions about life and how things work, and he doesn't really give his son a satisfactory answer. His son walks off stage, and the king is left alone to contemplate his life, and you realize that he's just another guy, like all of us, just trying to figure it out. So here's a little excerpt of、uh, from Puzzlement. Shall I join with other nations in alliance? If Eliza weak, am I not best alone? If Eliza strong with power to protect me, might they not protect me out of all I own? Is it danger to be trusting one another? One will seldom want to do what other wishes, but unless someday somebody trusts somebody. There'll be nothing left on earth excepting fishes. There are times I almost think nobody's sure of what he absolutely knows. Everybody finds confusion in conclusion. He concluded long ago, and it puzzled me to learn that though a man may be in doubt of what he knows, very quickly he will fight. He'll fight to prove that what he does not know is so. 
One of the things, John, I think you are really unique. You have a very unique story to tell, and perhaps you don't feel that special living in the middle of、uh, Manhattan, New York City. You know, you feel like a lot of people around you perhaps、uh, are a lot like you. But over here, even in Boston, not so far away, and as you can imagine,、uh, other parts of the United States or even all around the world, it's really. Difficult for someone to imagine, even for me to imagine, what it's like to be an actor of any kind. You know, Broadway,、uh, TV, movie, and、um, I really kind of want to live in your brain. I want the audience to live in your brain for about an hour to understand where you're coming from.、Um, and we'll go through a few questions, and but I want them to first actually hear from you. Um, who you are, just a little bit about you.、Um, so, without seeing your face, which they will in the blog, you know, hearing your voice, they could、um, get a sense for who you are. All right. Well, so this would be like、uh, <laughs> if I ever did any of that Match dot com stuff. This would be <laughs> like my first time over a cup of coffee, right? That's right.、Uh, I've lived in New York on and off since、uh, 1989, and boy. It's been a different world since then. Every time I meet people who who lived back then and up till now, we'll、mm-hmm. talk about the vast changes in New York. We talk about a New York minute, and when it spans twenty five some odd years, it definitely seems like a different place.、Mm-hmm. I actually have a friend crashing with me yet again. Another New York thing to do when you have a Upper West Side apartment and friends. And I'm very glad to do this. Because people have helped me so much over the years, people need a place to stay. The couch is welcome. It folds out.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's funny. He's actually、uh, one of my best friends from my college days, who used to be an actor himself、mm-hmm. and had a great career. And he was my—he probably doesn't. Well, I've told him this. He was kind of like my idol in college. He was the star actor、mm-hmm. in. In school, and went on to a fantastic drama school, and had a great, great career working the theater. And then he decided,、mm-hmm. I guess it was age forty. Then he said, "I'm done."、Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now he's a writer. Wow! <laughs> and now he says to me, "If you're ever going to go out of the arts, John, the, the last thing you don't want to do is is go from actor to writer. It's not going to be any easier." <laughs> <laughs> If you're gonna leave one arts field, you might as well leave it and don't don't make my mistake. He says. Anyway,、mm-hmm. so I've、uh, as I was saying, I've lived here for、um, most of my adult life,、mm-hmm. and prior to that, I guess、uh, I traveled a lot as a as a kid. Since my my dad worked for the government, we got shuttled around like a military family. So we went from base to base to base. I had. Three or four different elementary schools. Wow! Three high schools, I remember. And、uh, in some ways, I continued that peripatetic. Oh my God! Listen to me, peripatetic.、No. Why am I saying that? It's <laughs> such an SAT word to use. But I bounced around when I got to New York. You know, you tr- you get an acting gig and you travel from here to there and. And I was in one national tour, so we're definitely moving all the time. So I seem to have replicated that in my adult life,、mm-hmm. what I did in my childhood, living in a suitcase. So I've gotten used to traveling, and weirdly enough, the last ten some odd years here in the city have been the longest time I've stayed in one place, more or less, with gigs here and there. But I've been basically in the city, and I'm getting a little bit of、uh, a little antsy.、Uh, 
suppose one of the great things about not having a traditional nine to five is that when you get a job that might take you someplace, you got to go there and uh, you get to see and experience different parts of the of the country and sometimes outside the country even. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly been a plus. Uh, I mean, every day I wake up and I think about the pros and cons of staying in it or not. And in fact, I spent the weekend with one of my best friends from my days of uh, doing Les Miserables. Mm-hmm. And he and I have this discussion and he's interviewing actors for a, a film project that he's been working on. And so he, he confronts this question that you're asking. Well, you haven't actually asked me this question, but mm-hmm. it's something I think any, anybody in New York who is at, let's say, my career level, which is basically rank and file. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not famous by any means. So maybe some people have worked with me and know who I am, but within the th- a small part of the theater community, I think my you know, people will know who I am. Mm-hmm. But that's most of everybody, and that's what my, my pal Chip was saying. We are part of a th- community, but the the outside world, let's say, the people who who just go to see a show, they're going to see the star names, and they're part of the community, obviously. Mm-hmm. But what you hear, you don't hear about this vast underbelly of of uh, journeyman actors and, and stagehands. And mm-hmm. one of my best friends is a, is a lady named Carmel from my Miss. She's one of the top wig designers on Broadway. Mm, wow. And we just went to go see The Last Ship, Sting's most recent show last week. And we went to go see that. And there are, there's so many great people I've met working in the theater that are not necessarily uh, actors. And of course I've met some great actors, but Mm-hmm. I have met so many wonderful behind-the-scenes people and, uh, and directors and producers and one of my best pals from my, that time that you actually came out to see me in La Jolla mm-hmm. as, was the director of finance. Who knew that we, wow. we would hit it off for um, La Jolla Playhouse? So it, you just never know. It's, it's a kind of a wonderful, wacky adventure. and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is well, this is exactly what I was uh, hoping to cover, John, is that community you're living in, that lifestyle you have. And, you know, and I'm not saying it's a lifestyle that everybody will be comfortable with or even something that you are 100% always comfortable with. Um, but I think it's so fascinating to talk to different people and see where their lives will take them. Um, oftentimes is related to your career and um, but you know before we go off talking about the community and all the wonderful people that you met and I feel like in your intro you haven't given yourself enough credits for the things uh, you've done particularly the shows you've been in again I feel like you started your career way before we met um, you know about 10 12 years ago and if I may just throw a few names that I'm aware of and the shows I've been to, I think, um, you know, King and I, Les Mis, um, Miss Saigon, and um, more recently, you know, Batman, um, uh, actually Batman, and no, Bad Boy, Bad Boy, <laughs> oh, Bad Boy, and uh, Yoshimi, and Living Room, I remember from New York, um, Broadway, Off-Broadway, and... Um, so I was wondering if you could speak to those gigs if a little bit, maybe fill in a few more major shows I've missed out just now. Well, I, I, I think you're just about it. You've covered my 
cover <laughs> my uh, career. Yes. Uh, sort of name things. Yeah. So we can obviously. I mean, I moved to New York, thinking that I would just be a classical actor. That was my kind of dream, is to do Shakespeare. Oh, really? What year was that? Nineteen eighty nine. And I spent the first few years doing just Shakespeare in、mm-hmm. a lot of church basements. So. And I was cutting my teeth at that, learning a lot, but、um, I realized one day, looking through the New York Times and looking at the show listings, that eight out of ten shows have music in them, and that、uh, my chances of working and making a living on the stage in New York would be increased gigantically if I really learned how to sing, sing, sing well,、mm. sing well enough to be on Broadway. So I really started applying myself with singing lessons, and、uh, out of all the shows that I remember thinking about and wanting to be in, it was really at the heyday of Les Mis when Les Mis had entered in. I guess it opened in '86 or '87.、Mm-hmm. Gosh, I remember. I just got out of college, and Colm Wilkinson, the original star, played Jean Valjean, was on the Tonight Show and sang "Bring Him Home" for Johnny Carson. And I was so—I had never heard a man sing like that.、Mm-hmm. So I, that's when I got really interested in the show, and、uh, so I—I was—that was definitely a target for me. And in terms of where we all have kind of bucket list things to do, many of us,、mm-hmm. as whatever profession we, some of them we get, some of them we don't. I was really fortunate to get the show that I thought became what became a, a dream come true. Wow. And that was that was Les Mis, and I was in it. In、um, I guess it had, op- it had been open for about ten years, so it was still the hottest show. Every actor,、mm-hmm. everyone wanted to be in that show. Yeah, absolutely. And it still does, but, but I think for those of us who had done the original production of it, the version that was <laughs>、mm-hmm. originally three hours and twenty minutes, if I remember,、Jeez. and then they cut it back to just under three hours.、Mm-hmm. Couple years after I was in it, they they shortened it. So, <laughs> obviously, it's a long show. But I did the original long version of it, and it was an exhausting thing to get through.、Uh, but we,、uh, for, for I think for those of us, I, I think that the show has this thing of bequeathing upon anyone who's gone through it for a while a special kind of、uh, fellowship. Mm-hmm. And a camaraderie. Even if I've never worked with that actor in the show, I mean, I certainly would would have heard of their name. And we have this. Oh, do you know so and so? Oh, yeah, I remember.、Mm-hmm. We just missed each other. And that's what that show, especially with the longevity, it's still going now. It just got uh, uh, reinstated on Broadway. And there's just a whole new generation now that is going through what my pals and I did, let's say, almost 15 years ago now, thereabouts.、Mm-hmm. And、uh, it's a great gift. It was a great gift to be in that show, to to do it, and to to work with everybody. And eventually, I got a chance to do it with the guy I saw on the Tonight Show with Colm Wilkinson. He came back to the show. Wow! And I will never forget with the day he showed up <laughs> on stage. He came to a put-in rehearsal. Yeah. And I just remembered that everyone just kind of made this circle, kind of back the way he came up, came off the wings, and our Associate director said, "Ladies and gentlemen,、uh, Mr. Colm Wilkinson." The whole cast started applauding wildly,、mm-hmm. and he went. Through, he hadn't done the show in a few years, and he went through it with us. And 
it was such a, a, a magical time to do it with him because you just felt that you were performing with a living legend. Mm-hmm. And, I can definitely, I can definitely sh- imagine. Yeah, and everyone who's seen Les Mis and everything, he's certainly one of the, the Valjeans that everybody compares mm-hmm. compares all the other Valjeans. They have such great performers I've worked with who've done that role, but there's something about that actor, that man at that time got that role and everything, there was just such a perfect confluence mm-hmm. of everything being ready for his voice and his comportment and his and his... He was the perfect man, perfect place, perfect time. Mm-hmm. And just to be brushing up against that was just just fantastic. And uh, and I got to do it with him in a, in a city that I I would love to go back and visit. I was there. I was in Toronto. Wow. Uh, so, I mean, the Far women's gifted me in so many ways and taking me around North America. And uh, that, was a, that was a wonderful time. Yeah, mm-hmm. certainly a highlight of my my acting career to be able to, to do that with him. And I will highlight that information, John, in the show notes as well. And um, figure I bring that up, you know, names um, and moments and any tools and resources that you bring up throughout this conversation. I will yeah. actually have a web page, as you can see, to highlight that. So the audience can really read more about these people. And, uh-huh. you know, uh, it, this is fascinating to me that I believe his last name is Wilkinson. Uh, yeah. He had a huge impact in your life, but sometimes for someone like me, you know, who isn't as integrated in, in the, um, the community, you know, we all struggle to only recognize their face and then their faces and often uh, they're forgotten um, after the show. Not for you, but, uh, you know, this is a moment where we can, where I feel like I want to celebrate um, really extraordinary people in every field. So, um so on, on that note, I, uh, John, I was wondering if we could, um, you know, talk about typically, you know, what your, not just what your day, um, you know, clearly the, the question is what your day is like, often asked to full-time people like myself with a nine to six job, every day is more or less the same, but it's very different for you. So I'm very curious to ask you what the audition um, process is like, or perhaps is what is what is it like to work with an agent and how to really land a gig? Um, you know, you can use King and I or Les Mis or any example that you find helpful. Well, landing gigs, <laughs> it, it's um, there. I can't even say it's for, formulaic. There is the let's say the traditional your you have an agent who calls you with an audition and you go in and you, you get it. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's also word of mouth. People know you and people call you and offer it to you, mm-hmm. which is ideally what everybody wants to get to, that you become so well-known and so trusted to be able to do a part mm-hmm. that you that you get there. I think most actors are not, well, at least in my circle, I, I don't know a lot of friends who just get called up and offered. Almost all of us have to audition, mm-hmm. even if it's a courtesy audition. Mm. Um, but my the, the examples, as of, let's say as of, uh, like the, the next show that I'm doing, I didn't even know, which, you know, dovetails into, I think you wanted me to say some favorite lines I've ever said. <laughs> but I had to sing a line in a show 
out at the, at the Yoshimi show, mm-hmm. and the, the line is suddenly everything has changed, mm-hmm. and that's really so profound for for the human race certainly because mm-hmm. we we that's how it goes right you. Mm-hmm. It seems so such a simply it's such it's such a simple idea, and yet that is something that that is part of it, it is so saturated into, into my life that tomorrow today, mm-hmm. not really sure how it would pan out from the moment I woke up. Tomorrow, I don't have any idea of what's in store for me. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because um, my my next show that I'm going to be working on, I went in and auditioned. And I didn't get a call back. So that's usually in the way we, well, it's like a second interview. That means mm-hmm. they've whittled it down. Now, the first time I went in audition for this show last week, uh, usually you can tell if it's going well, if they're dig- digging you. And everything seemed to be great, kumbaya mm-hmm. and everything. But I didn't hear from them later on that day. And I said, well, gosh, you just never know. I guess I didn't get it. And uh, I know they had callback days. I didn't hear from them. Mm-hmm. And then yesterday, last night, I get the phone call from producer. We'd love for you for you to play the part. Wow! <laughs> Congratulations, John. I'm so yeah. so happy so there for you. Yeah. So you go. And suddenly, everything has changed. Mm-hmm. This morning, I spoke to him, and I have suddenly everything has changed. Tomorrow, I have to go into rehearsal at one o'clock. Uh, I've got music coming to me. All of a sudden, I've got to learn this part and learn this music today. We have one week. <laughs> We have one week to put the show up for uh, an invited audience for the industry, meaning that they're trying to find seed money and develop the show a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Now, what was so exciting to me is that, well, it's an adaptation of Treasure Island. Mm-hmm. And uh, so a pirate swashbuckly thing, and the music is being written by kind of a, a childhood uh, hero. His name is Graham Russell. And... Most people probably have never heard of him, but for those who are old enough, he mm-hmm. is the part of the rock group Air Supply. No way. Yeah, yeah way. <laughs> yeah, I know Air Supply. <laughs> Air Supply. Wow. This so, is amazing, John. Um, music, and so I'm going in, to, we're going to start tomorrow, and I can't wait to see who else they cast. And mm-hmm. uh, This is look, fabulous. My, that's going to be my week. I know as a general sense, that's going to be my week. And next week, I have no idea what will happen in my life when this is over. And, and um, you have naturally transitioned into one area um, of sort of a topic I really want to talk about is that was also part of the audition process. But, you know, personally, I've always been very fascinated by, in particular, Broadway um, actors and actresses because... The way I look at TV shows, you have a most of the lines are relatively short, and you know the scenes change up very quickly. Whereas Broadways are hundreds of people, you know, at a stadium of uh, some sort of theater. And I remember going to your shows. You, you have to remember these insane amount of lines and in context and acting and singing. So I kind of want to talk about that for a second. Now you have a script in hand and. Yeah. You know, you're preparing for tomorrow, and that sounds completely insane. So I wonder what the short-term process and preparation is like. But furthermore, a lot of the other shows I've been in, you know, King and I, those shows go on for hours. And, um, and I wondered how do you prepare for for those shows as well? 
How do yeah, you memorize? Can, let me say, I will say something that <laughs> it, it kind of depends. Interestingly enough, I think the easiest, not the, it's not ever easy, but what is actually fairly easy to memorize mm -hmm. is Shakespeare. Oh, man. I would never imagine that. That's counterintuitive. Yeah. Isn't that kind of crazy? <laughs> it's nuts. And if it's only because something, he was a magician, uh, a genius. Mm -hmm. And the way his writing works, it just, first of all, there is the, you know, if you're writing in the iambic pentameter, you know this, you just instinctively know there's so, so, so many beats per line. Oftentimes, there'll be rhyming couplets, and there are all these cues as to how to lead yourself into how to play the part because Shakespeare kind of almost wrote the direction mm. into the lines. Mm -hmm. And I, weirdly enough, I have found memorizing long speeches, I've been able to do that faster with Shakespeare than with any playwright I've ever worked on. Mm. Uh, I've never worked on a, let's say, a, a mammoth play where he's famous for writing in ums and ahs and pauses and this very specific rhythm to his thing. And that's, he's replicating almost everyday human speech. And mm -hmm. that seems to be really hard to do. Mm -hmm. um, the... <laughs> You know, it's almost shows. a case-by-case -case basis, but yeah. as I, I find myself, if I have trouble, I'll often assume the role of the playwright and actually get a yellow pad out and write the lines out. I'll write out, if I'm in the scene, I'll write the other character's lines out and then write my lines out, maybe in bigger letters mm. or highlight them. I'll do anything to sort of tricking my brain mm -hmm. into just getting it into my bones, literally getting it into my fingers, mm -hmm. so that there are different neural pathways to to learning the lines. Oftentimes I'll record the lines by rote without any inflection, and I'll record them, and when I go jogging on my iPod, I will listen to them, so I'm constantly, unfortunately, pounded by the sound of my own voice saying the lines over and over. No, this is so fascinating, John, and I think you, you know, sometimes um, people like yourself kind of, I'd imagine, your writer, your actor, you take this process for granted, you know. This is a system you figure out for yourself, and I think that is phenomenal. You know, to pause for a second, when I teach Mandarin to little kids in my Taekwondo school, some of them are as young as six or seven years old. I mean, they barely know how to write so many words just yet, and they certainly don't understand um, how to really, um, you know, follow the Chinese symbols or pinyin, anything in that nature. But I notice as smart as little kids, will figure out a system somehow for them to remember what I teach them. And the younger they are, somehow the quicker they learn. Um, but I love, I love how you describe, you know, I, I literally just jotted down yellow, um, I would say yellow pages, but yellow pads and um, iPod. Yeah. It just really getting ingrained into what you're doing. And one of the things growing up in, in China, um, the things we say, the characters, as you know, you know, learning Asian characters can be very complicated and one of the things um, the teachers will tell you is stop speaking and start writing them down. And oh. Yeah, exactly. Just that even for little kids, how you move your wrists, you know, all different directions, trying to learn Chinese calligraphy, writing, and it really, um, they really get embedded in your, in your brain somehow and create that, um, what you had described as a sort of newer connection. So really fascinating. Yeah, it, it is. I, I, I as I, as I get older, change, and our brains just change. Uh, I, I find myself doing 
different things. The mm-hmm. old days, you know, I would just, I still do this, you know, you put your hand over the paper, mm-hmm. look at it, say it out loud, put it, you know, and then take it off and try to memorize what the line was. I still do that. That's actually still the, one of the best ways to do it. I don't know how they, why that works, mm-hmm. but that oftentimes is still not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and the memorization thing, I think as we, I've noticed in the past, I guess, 20 some odd years that I've been at this, that people expect uh, people expect uh, you to be able to be off book much faster than when I started out. Oh, man. So the demand <laughs> for you as an actor to learn your lines very quickly, mm-hmm. it, it, it is has sped up. I think it's probably the internet and mm. access to your sides. In the old days, you had to, if you got an audition, you had to go downtown, go to your agent's office, or go to the casting director, pick up the script. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a whole thing. Now, you know, they just email the it to you and they say, this is what you have to know by tomorrow morning. Wow. And they just expect you that we all are all connected, that we can, uh, you'll get your PDF and read it and memorize it. Mm-hmm. Um, though, interestingly enough, you know, by the union guidelines, you're not allowed, they're not allowed to tell you to memorize it. Mm-hmm. Because then it would be a performance, and then they would have to pay you. Mm-hmm. So if you're auditioning, you hold the script in your hand, and you kind of pretend. And it's always nice to have it there in case you, you forget a line. Mm-hmm. But you always have the script in your hand when you audition. and and um, But you're expected to not really need that, mm-hmm. that piece of paper. You're expected to know it. That's your kind of job as an auditioner. Yeah, this and it is... really wasn't like that when I when I started out. People, mm-hmm. I, I didn't really wasn't too worried about it. Um, but it's just become more and more of the norm now. Yeah. This is interesting because John, you know, you've been at this for twenty or so years, and and I know that through Bad Boy, and I realized you traveled and lived with a lot of people in their twenties, and and it's just it's really fascinating. We'll, we'll get there um, in terms of the lifestyle and the travel involved. That, you know, all the shows I've been to that you've been in, I, you know, secretly and uh, quietly, I was always holding my fingers thinking like, oh my God, please make sure that John doesn't forget a line. And, uh, you know, you work so hard at this. And um, <laughs> you think you're doing that. What do you think I'm doing? I'm saying the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what's going on through my head oh god oh god <laughs> don't don't just, I, and i seriously i was i always wish if i had a better spot at the show if i could just hold up something neon like and with a script on it and i could help you out and um obviously you're a professional and i know that a lot of the shows you perform like les mis king and i you you will be going at it for months and months and and i wonder you know what two-part question one what is it like to Repeat repeatedly act out, um, uh, you know, a show for weeks or months at a time, um, and sometimes, as you mentioned, multiple shows per day. Um, and um, part two is, uh, what, what if you forget the script? What's what what's gonna happen? And what what do you um, what do you do instead to uh, compensate that? Like I always wanted to ask actors. Oh boy. Well, <laughs> let's see. Uh, the truth first is of that. all, I think every performer you do it long enough you're going to do a show and you're going to forget a line or mm-hmm. something's going to happen it's the it, it just happens it was uh uh happens to everybody mm-hmm. and happens i think it, it, it has happened to everybody and for myself 
fortunately, as a knock on wood, not in recent memory, but it's come close where I thought, oh, I almost missed a cue mm. getting on stage for the last show I did. And you run it a thousand times over in your head by yourself during rehearsal. And I had something just, one little thing needs to slip and, and the whole thing will come, you know, you'll forget. Mm -hmm. And it still happens to people who have been doing it for a long time. Um, you know, part of that is actually the excitement of being on edge mm -hmm. of that. That's your, it's, you, you don't, you, you've got to, got to be on your toes and that's part of the adrenaline and one of the reasons why I think I lasted was able to do Les Mis for as long I did it for five years oh, uh, that I became I, yeah, I uh, became a swing which meant that I could I was in my regular track but then I asked could I I want to learn all the other parts in the show mm -hmm. so and it kept my brain very elastic and let me experience the show through all every actor's point of view with their character and their costume changes and what they had to do. Mm -hmm. And it gave me a much more profound sense of and appreciation for what everyone else was doing. But it also, uh, I basically, not even quadrupled, yeah, more than that, my need to memorize everybody's parts and singing parts and lines and blocking and what piece of costume they had to go on and what side of the stage mm -hmm. they needed to come on. Uh, I was in a constant fear of doing that. And sure, I, pro I, I think everyone, I might not have done it as perfectly as the people who do it all the time, but that was really part of the juice and of having fun and feeling challenged That's great. At, at doing it. Uh, you mentioned King and I. That was certainly one of the biggest parts I've ever done. And that, that show, most of the Kings, he only has two songs. He's got one long patter song and a short little song. Mm -hmm. But... His show is mostly these long book scenes, and I have to, that did take a while to memorize because I had, especially an iconic show and a part like that, mm -hmm. you felt so much, and it was such an honor to be able to do it once, and you felt like, oh my God, you're in the shadow of Yul Brenner and all these people who played the part, and it's, a, it's one of the great parts in American musical theater, mm -hmm. and I felt very much a sort of sense of pride of being able to make sure I landed every line perfectly and and, and did that. It was kind of I wanted to be part of that. Mm -hmm. And, John, and it you took have me impromptu for you now. Talking about in Les Mis, you play different parts, and that's uh, unbelievable. And um, King and I, I think, it's a phenomenal performance by you. And then your friends or people who are the uh, among the audience were in tears. Um, you've really just. You've obviously come a long way. That you've always been great, but that sort of your signature that we keep reflecting back upon. And um, so I was wondering, in a there's no such thing as a typical show, but what is quote unquote a typical um, show like? Even like uh, Yoshimi or Bad Boy, how long uh, do you have to perform? It, give us a sense for is it every day, and then how many days a week, and you know, on top of all that, how do you keep motivating yourself? Is there a magic moment, you know, the curtain opens and you're just ready, you're ready there for your audience, for your world, or sometimes you, you feel, honestly, less excitement and you kind of have to pump yourself up a little bit? Um, yeah, well, just like we all do, there are mm -hmm. certain shows that I'm more, I'm more stoked to do than others. Yeah, yeah or of course. I find after time, I was really stoked to begin with, not so much at the end, and mm -hmm. Vice versa, mm -hmm. and 
Uh, I mean, some of the typical things are just because of how things are structured, uh, depending upon the contract. But l- let's say if you did, for most people who would who would go to theater, if they ever go to theater, if they want to go, they would probably try to go to a Broadway show. But Broadway show will typically rehearse for, let's say, maybe two months and maybe four to I guess four to six weeks of previews before an opening night, before the press comes. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, they have as much practice time as you can get because the producers are paying for it and they're building a show from the ground up, which is certainly not easy to do. But depending upon the contract, mm-hmm. uh, you can have a, let's say that's the longest, but usually it's much shorter than that. And usually you're not building a show from the ground up. Uh, almost everything I've ever done has been a show that's been done at least once previously, and I certainly mm-hmm. when I joined Les Mis, it had been open for about ten years, so it was a a well-oiled machine mm-hmm. with with adjustments here and there. Um, for those who've never been, you know, Broadway is eight shows a week, and <laughs> oh, so you're going to the theater every day, except one day off usually, or a day and a half depending upon the schedule. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you are an understudy, you go into understudy once a week during the afternoon. Or if you have something called a put-in rehearsal, if they put a new person into the show, they will call the cast to come in and run the show during the day. It, the, the feeling really is when you're working in, on Broadway, you are at the theater all the time. Mm-hmm. Unless you are one of the lead roles, you are there all the time. And, and certainly in my case, when I was swinging the show, I every single understudy rehearsal, put in rehearsal, some special thing. I just was there, but they pay the swings a little bit more for their time and for knowing everything about the show. So I, I opted to do that. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If I'm in the show, I want to be in it. I've got, I don't have better things to do other than mm-hmm. doing it. Mm-hmm. Now, when I worked out regionally around the country, the contracts are different. So you don't spend as much time. Sometimes you don't have understudy rehearsal or it's not planned as much. Uh, the shows run shorter lengths, let's say typically six weeks, six weeks to two months, maybe a little bit, maybe sometimes more if the show's ahead, sometimes less. Usually less because they're doing seasons where they're filling in shows, like five shows during the spring, summer season or something. So there's usually an end date to your contract, so you see the end coming. Mm-hmm. Um, those shows will rehearse something like 10 to 6, 10 to 4. They'll, you probably won't be called for that entire time, but they will put a show up in about two weeks. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of pre-planning so that when you're actually in the room, everyone is off like a rocket and we're figuring out mm. where, how are you going to do blocking, integrate the sets and costumes, and voila, you have a show. Mm-hmm. And it does feel like getting shot out of a cannon at the beginning mm-hmm. and then you get into a groove and and then you're enjoying yourself I mean ultimately look the word is play right mm-hmm. so we're in a play and it, it feels like you're playing it feels like you're getting paid to have a good time mm-hmm. and I think most actors will agree that that is part of the appeal mm-hmm. and it certainly is I, I don't feel like what I do is is as hard as trying to get the, a landing craft on Mars or or try to reconcile two different points of view in Congress, which seems, I mean, when I hear people try to do that, it just seems, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. So 
I think what I do is relatively easy, if you will. Mm-hmm. It's hard in its own ways to do it very well, but um, I, I guess we all have our to each our own feelings about what we do in our life. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are certainly some shows that are much harder to learn and do than others. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's case-by-case basis. I, I don't, for instance, I, I don't know what I have in store for me this coming week. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I know I have, I think, one of the lead roles in the show, but uh, I don't know how big they've written the part. I don't know if there's going to be a lot to do. So that's kind of a surprise, right? So back to your Mash.com metaphor, it's like you don't even know just by looking at a very vague, pixelated picture, you don't know who exactly is going to show up and you know what the expectation will be. But I think that's very interesting to talk about. Um, is one of the questions sent to you, John, is about you know being um, at your experience, and I feel like you've really stumbled upon a lot of different scenarios, shows. You've traveled around the country and actually outside of the country as well um, in Europe. Um, you speak fluent French, and um, so, you know, I was, one- <laughs> yeah, I was wondering, what is your advice for people who are starting out? And I don't know if there's a, such a thing as starting out um, in acting, and um, what's your advice to, uh, you know, kids fresh out of college or people who are perhaps in their mid to late 20s or even 30s who are thinking about um, this as a career. Um, What's your take on that? Challenges, rejections, randomness, and all the excitement, of course. Uh, Gigantic, (laughs) profound question. (laughs) You know, anytime you log on to any actor advice column (laughs) on the internet, you're going to, this question is asked and answered. So many times. Every, every minute. So we're going to try our best with the podcast here. Yeah, your personal it's, take on it. Yeah. I, well, it, it, one of the ways you give advice to someone is don't do what I do. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I would. I, I've got a thin skin. I will. I will admit that. So, mm-hmm. uh, ha- having as much of a of a brush it off attitude as you can will carry you through some very long dark times mm-hmm. and I can say that my I, I've let disappointments and saturate a little bit too long than they should in, into my psyche and mm-hmm. that's been one of the more difficult parts of, uh, of pursuing acting mm-hmm. because your opportunities to actually act are so infinitesimal you know, the fact that I actually even auditioned, got an, that I even got a chance to audition for this show that I'm doing mm-hmm. was, they even made a point of saying that to me when they offered me a chance to even come in and try out for the part. They said, we've gotten thousands of submissions. Mm-hmm. You, we've, picked, we've picked your, we've given you a slot to come in. Wow. So, you know, it's almost like a, a lottery. Yeah. And I keep forgetting how many actors, I just went to see a show last night of actors who worked their asses off to do the show. I don't think a lot of the, the shows were, they weren't to my taste, let's put it that way. But I know they worked so hard on doing it. So mm-hmm. there are just so many people out there. And I just think we all have to just, you got to basically love yourself doing the doing it. And mm-hmm. if you don't anymore, then it's time to take a break. Yeah, and then if I, you know, John, I think, again, like, it's really true. I think that is such great uh, 
advice, and in particular for acting and anything, any, anything along the line of the entertainment business. But I have to admit that that is really good advice for people everywhere. You know,、um, people going on interviews, people really dislike their curtain jobs, and finally have the courage to go on different interviews. Feeling rejected, and most of the time, you know,、uh, most employers don't really respond with anything, and you're、um, left just feeling、um, kind of, you know, hopeless or、um, don't know what to expect. And luckily for me, that、uh, I haven't had to experience too much of that in my career. But here I am,、um, honestly, putting myself out there on a podcast. And、uh, to be honest, I've been so hard on myself, and I wish I. Um, remember to call you to kind of、uh, balance that off. Even hearing my voice on the audio, which I have to, as you as you know, for post production, I was really suffering, and I oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was really struggling, and、um, you know, and、um, it took me quite a while. And to be honest, at episode one, which was officially released just a week ago, I actually had that episode ready、um, produced two weeks before. But I really, I had to. I never thought that that would happen to me. You know, I never thought how how quote little of myself I, I thought, and I was really struggling,、um, big time. And、um, you know, the crazy part to your、um, to your part is like sometimes that when that takes when that emotion takes over,、um, there's you kind of go down go into this downward、uh, spiral. Even though it sounds so silly, right? It's a podcast. I I'm the manager director. I got really nothing to lose, but. To throw myself out there, and people ask me how I feel, and I feel, I feel very vulnerable. I feel naked, you know.、Um, so anyway, back to you. I don't mean to、um, dump it on you, but I feel like when you're in it, like you don't, you don't sense that that's how people feel. That you, like for instance, the podcast story probably makes you feel that's ridiculous, Faye. How would you ever think that? And I did, you know. And I can imagine at times it could be very dark and very difficult for people in acting, you know. Well. Yeah. Whenever we, I, I、uh, you are basically living what many people in the performing arts go through all the time. And in some ways, I guess putting a podcast is like stepping out on stage. Or yeah, for me. <laughs> well, it, it is. You are. This is kind of a way of putting yourself. I felt the same way when I tried to make a website. I went, oh God, now people are gonna. Know a little bit more about me and see me when they want to, and、yeah. and I have no control over. I have some control over the content, but at the same time, is this really the best I can do?、Mm-hmm. And I, I suppose I'm. I, we always have to constantly remind ourselves that we are everybody's like a, a frail, wonderful human being in their own way and is trying、mm-hmm. their best. Everyone's trying their best,、mm-hmm. and relying the tools that they have access to, right? Yeah. I think、um, my second episode、um, guest, Josh Green, really speaks to that. Is oftentimes we want to live in an ideal world, we want every situation to be most ideal,、um, but at the same time, we've all been just given the tools that、um, you know we have. And then to your point, there's you know out of a thousand people,、uh, you've been chosen for the show tomorrow. And I just want to say that how many things in this world has an acceptance rate of point one percent? You know, I, I don't mean to nerd out on math here, but think about for you to have attended Brown University, and I believe when you、um, enter school around that year's five to six percent acceptance rate. But think about in acting, significantly reduces anybody's chances in getting anything. You know? <laughs> <laughs> really? 
Yeah, it is. Some, every time I get something, I just think how many, there are literally mm-hmm. hundreds of people, hundreds of guys who are similar type or whatever, who could easily fill, we're all replaceable, all of us. Mm-hmm. And that, but at this moment, it's going to be me or it's going to be someone else, but it's going to be yours for the time and to, to accept it and to graciously embrace it and do the best you can with what you got so mm-hmm. that's what I keep reminding myself trying to remind myself all the time because uh, every every gig feels like it might be the last one <laughs> <laughs> this might be it yeah it goes you just you just have you can laugh after it if you can't laugh at the moment you can laugh at about about it afterward that's that's uh, that's good therapy yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. And um, and I know that um, we talked about keeping you on for an hour, and I had no idea that you actually need to spend some serious time preparing for your show tomorrow. So I was wondering, um, it's still in the uh, audition stage, so I suspect that it's inconvenient to reveal more details, right? Yeah, I don't really know much about it other than that. It's... Uh, um... It's, I don't, I don't know much about, uh, it's an adaptation of Treasure Island. That's about all I know so far. I have not seen the, the full script. And mm-hmm. I, I know that, that Graham Russell, I told you from Air Supply is attached to it. And um, mm-hmm. that's about it up to now. So, um, and I just have my rehearsal times blocked out. So I'll find out more tomorrow. Maybe we should do this podcast tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we can certainly, we can do a little bit add-on. There's a little part, one of my favorite parts of, um, one of my favorite parts in Les Mis, if only because of the sentiment involved mm-hmm. in the in the show, there was, uh, right before, before Valjean sings Bring Him Home, Mm-hmm. All the students are gathering around and getting ready to go to bed, and they're all kind of sharing a drink together and mm-hmm. contemplating their life. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a song. Whenever someone had to leave the show, their last performance, everyone made sure they went over with their cup and toasted that person on stage. It was a great tradition, I thought, mm-hmm. uh, of acknowledgement, of friendship, and uh, and uh, so the song starts off. Um, Drink with me, today's gone by. Sing with me the songs we knew. Here's two pretty girls who went to our heads. Here's two witty girls who went to our beds. Here's to them. And here's to you. So thank you so much for sharing the moment with me. And I know, and with us, it's very, it's very interesting. And, you know, things I'm still learning along the way, in particular podcasting. You know, I feel like if I go to work one day, if somebody um, is listening to my podcast in a conference room, yeah. I will immediately storm out of that. I would be <laughs> so embarrassed, you know, but... To invite you um, to share your stories, um, the 
obviously the super exciting ones and um, but also the the challenges i know it's really difficult to talk about them but um i think that people will want to listen to that you know um to feel like we're not alone if you know what i mean is i think when we share stories and people find it resonating is they could relate to um and very recently there is um, a person in financial services extremely successful dare to write a book called how I lost a million dollars or 10 million dollars I think it was a million dollars and it was it was a top seller as you can imagine and um, people um, you know really resonate with a lot of people in finance or, or elsewhere so I think you really shared a very balanced really interesting story of being an actor and the struggles you've had and but I think you know in my in my podcast um, blog I'm going to include a lot of these big names the shows that you've been in I think it's incredible and just so you know as a friend as many friends of yours we just cannot be more proud you know my god you're making me cry stop it oh stop it (laughs) I need to prepare for my show and it's so important John and it's um it's not just encouragement and uh, i know everybody needs that but truthfully the reason for um, many of us to want to drive six seven eight hours to see you um is to be there with you and um, to kind of share that very special moment and it's absolutely incredible you know you just create that moment and you not only you create that moment you created a experience for the rest of us if you know what i mean um I think it's very different. I've been to many Broadway shows beyond the ones that I've gone to for you, for us, and um, but it's really not the same. It's not nearly the same. And the fact, Levi, just uh, you know, invoke that real quick is um, knowing you uh, after or before the show. We get to meet all the actors and actresses. You know, sit down for a drink with them, and um, you take us to the backstage. Yoshimi was particularly interesting with the setup and, and the sort of the. the technical considerations involved it was yeah really- you you and wing coin are big friends now <laughs> <laughs> i i might have to post that picture you know that picture was better taken. <laughs> yeah i uh the best part is i actually came back from your show the week after and i was having dim sum with a bunch of my co-workers and there was a co-worker of mine who started talking about wing coin out of uh, nowhere i said oh here's my on my iphone i pull up a picture he's like how what what is going on here? <laughs> he, he was so confused, and it was like no alcohol influence. And he <laughs> said, "I just uh, it was it was amazing." That's <laughs> cool, yeah. Yeah, but thank you for creating these moments, you know. And um, it keeps coming up in um, on Facebook, you know, many of the social media channels, and they do a look back photos of the things that you've been, you know, you've been in, you know, photos of and. And I and I just see these moments uh, with you, and you know, and I would not otherwise have. You know, I don't think other than you, but I've ha- never had this opportunity to experience um, firsthand. And um, I hope that I hope that continues. Uh, and I hope I really hope this podcast um, does something very positive for you as well. Um, well I, I definitely feel I, I feel energized. Yeah, you make me realize that it's. It's been, uh, maybe, it, maybe it is worthwhile. <laughs> yeah, and it's absolutely, and I, um, you know, I get a little uh, nerdy when it comes to this, but uh, the people you've mentioned and the fact that you've 
you know, you've had a relationship, you know, with these amazing directors, actors, actresses, you've learned from all of them. I don't think that that can be overlooked, you know. So I really want to transform this conversation and your ability in learning um, and telling a story to really influence uh, people beyond just the immediate circle of yours. So, yeah, yeah. So thank you, thank you so much for your time. I'm really excited, as you can tell. And uh, yeah, thanks. Oh my God, I miss you so much. (laughs) Well, I miss you too, John. I think I should end with a song from Air Supply and have my 80s pop yes. rock. Yes. Right? <laughs> yes. I'm, I don't know if he's going to be at this rehearsal tomorrow, but <laughs> uh, one of my favorite songs, uh, if he asks, I would just go, I'm lying alone with my head on the phone, thinking of you till it hurts. I know you hurt too, but what else can we do to mend it and torn apart? I think I'll stop. <laughs> if only because, as a friend of mine has said to me, I remember singing this one time, he said, John, please don't ever, ever sing that for an audition because no grown man sits there and thinks of a woman with his head on the phone (laughs) his eyes out he may have done it when he was 12 but after that (laughs) no (laughs) you'll not be taken seriously ever again but you know what I think those cheesy moments I realize whether in acting or not in real life things you've been told to never do are the ones who really set you apart to listen to more episodes of the face world podcast Please subscribe on iTunes or visit faceworld.com. That is F-E-I-S-W-O-R-L-D, where you can find show notes, links, other tools, and resources. You can also follow me on Twitter at FaceWorld. Until next time, thanks for listening.